Hey runners, I'm Jim Lynch, and this is my podcast, Feel Good Running. I'd like to welcome you to it. Now, this is not going to be a normal episode. It's because I have some things I'd like to say, and I want to share an interview that I did in late 2020, and I'll get to that in just a few minutes. A little over a week ago, Eliza Fletcher, a wife, mother, two boys, and kindergarten teacher. She was out for her normal run at 4 a.m. This was on Friday, September 2nd, and she was on her typical route around the University of Memphis. She's from Memphis, Memphis, and was just a few miles away from her home. And while on her run, Eliza was ambushed by this fucking psychopath and forced into a dark-colored GMC terrain uh, vehicle, which was according to the surveillance footage. And the footage showed a man waiting on the route. I personally will not call this person a man. He's a fucking psychopath. And let me just apologize for my language, but I am really upset about this. If you have listened to my past episodes, especially around the time when Molly Tibbetts was abducted and murdered, you'll know that I am a very strong proponent of female running safety and running safety in general. So the footage shows this psychopath waiting on the route for Eliza to pass by. And there was a struggle between the two. He ran up to her and and then forced her into the passenger side of this vehicle and that's according to police. And that vehicle was seen in surveillance footage sitting near a parking lot for four minutes with Eliza inside the vehicle before it drove off. I can't even imagine what was going on in that vehicle and how scared she was. This is just heartbreaking. Then on Monday, September 5th, the body was found dumped behind an abandoned house in tall grass. That's her final resting place. This fucking psychopath dumped her body behind this house in tall grass. Can you imagine that? And the next day, September 6th, it was confirmed that it was Eliza. This psychopath scumbag was arrested the previous Saturday, but refused to tell authorities anything about Eliza though his DNA was found on sandals at the crime scene and blood in his vehicle. Plus, her phone was found around that area along with her water bottle. He was charged with first-degree murder on Wednesday, September 7th. This animal was a criminal since he was a kid. In 2000, he was convicted of kidnapping and served 20 of his 24 years in prison and was released four years early. Why was he released early? Well, apparently it's because he received some credits while in prison for whatever he was assigned to do. I think he worked in the kitchen or whatever. So why was he free to roam the streets this early in the morning? Isn't there a parole period? Don't they watch somebody like this? There's so many unanswered questions. And if you saw the news footage, which I'm sure everybody has seen something about Eliza's uh, murder on the news, um, you could tell that this guy has no remorse. He has no emotions. He could care less. As a matter of fact, his father is in prison for another 22 years. I think he gets out in 22. 44, something like that, for second-degree murder. Runs in the family, doesn't it? This is so frustrating. I'm really sorry to say this, but whatever punishment this fucking scumbag gets, it's not going to be good enough. (laughs) Because if he serves life in prison, so be it. He'll be in prison, and he still has his life. If he gets the death penalty and it's carried out, He'll die in a more humane way than Eliza did. Think about that. You know what? Eliza did not deserve this. 
She was just out doing what she loved, and that was running. And she was a good runner. In 2019, she completed the St. Jude's Memphis Marathon in a time of three hours, 26 minutes, and nine seconds, which was a Boston qualifying time. I do not believe that she ended up going to Boston. I couldn't find any uh, results with her name on it. But I can't even imagine how her family feels. You know, it's just terrible. Many runners across the nation are dedicating runs to Eliza. 3.4 miles, which is for her age. Some groups are doing a run in that di- for that distance. And there's a run in Memphis that are gathering to finish her last run around the University of Memphis. You know, this isn't the only murder of a female runner. We got to remember some of the other women. Molly Tibbetts, Sydney Sutherland, Wendy Martinez, Karina Vetrano, Vanessa Mercati. You know, that's just a few. All of them were just out doing what they loved, running. Innocent, happy people. As a matter of fact, I saw some video of Eliza. She was a sweet, sweet woman. When you watch her speak, you could just feel the love just coming out. You could feel it. She was very happy. She just made you smile. Just from this video. I I didn't know anything about her before this, but you could tell. She loved her kids. She loved her students, her kindergarten students. None of these women deserve this. None of them deserved it. They didn't. This is wrong and it's frustrating. It's, uh, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Okay. Thank you for your patience and listening, but I'm very upset. And don't forget Ahmad Aubrey. He was murdered by a father and son, and they're serving consecutive life prison sentences. So, Some on social media seemed to be criticizing Eliza because she was running early in the morning and wearing, you know, shorts and a jog bra. And some were even saying that, uh, you know, maybe she shouldn't have been out there that early and maybe she shouldn't have been wearing what she was wearing. Now, come on, man. Listen, runners are dedicated. Runners have to get their runs in especially if they're training. Runners have jobs. They have schedules, you know, and sometimes it results in having to run early in the morning. Me personally, I love running when it's dark out. I love it. But you know what? So did Eliza because that's when she could get her miles in because she was a kindergarten teacher. She was a teacher. So that was the time that she was able to get out there and get it done. And she also had two boys. So don't criticize her because she did it several times. Like a lot of women out there, they run whenever. It doesn't matter if it's four in the morning, whether it's 10 o'clock in the morning or whether it's 10 o'clock at night. We got to get our run in. That's how we're built. That's how we focus. It's how we get our training in. We have to work around things. The criticism is ridiculous. Women are strong. They're out there. They should not have to look over their shoulders because of scumbag men that are out there preying on women or catcalling or sexually harassing them or sexually assaulting women. This is wrong. And it's got to stop, but it's not going to. Unfortunately, it's not going to. And I feel real bad. I feel very bad for each and every woman runner that has to look over their shoulder. Always have to worry. And when these things happen, it intensifies that worry. But women are strong. They're not going to change their routine. 
They're not going to change when they run. The majority of the women runners out there are going to keep doing what they're doing. And that's the way it should be. All right. Please pipe down on social media and do not criticize women. Do not criticize Eliza. You don't understand. If you're a runner, you understand. If you're not a runner, you have no idea. You really don't. So don't criticize. Support. Support. Focus on what women can do and not the scumbag fucking men out there that prey on these women. So I want to play an interview I did with a very good friend of mine, Tasha in a church. She is a professional self-defense instructor, and she is a badass. Amazing. And she knows over, I think she mentioned 850 different techniques of self-defense. And I actually interviewed her back in episode nine, and you may want to go back to that one uh, and listen to it if you, if you, um, want to learn a little bit more. Um, and what I did with Tasha is I brought her uh, to Powerhouse Gym in Kihei, Hawaii. I lived on Maui at the time. And I think this was around the time Molly Tibbetts was abducted and murdered. And I really wanted to do something um, for the women of the running community in, on Maui. And so we put together a self-defense class and we had over 20, I think it was like 22 women that attended and she did a fantastic job. And uh, she reached out to me again. This is after all this, the interview on episode nine and the self-defense class. I think I, I even had her at the um, 2019 Maui Marathon. She was giving self-defense demonstrations at the expo, which was really cool. So she reached out to me in late 2020 and she was pretty upset when she reached out to me. She was running and she had a very uncomfortable situation. Now here's a, a woman that knows over 850 self-defense techniques and she was sh shaken to the core over the situation that happened to her. And she wanted to come on the podcast and share it. And so we talked about it. You'll hear her story, what happened. And then again, she gives tips and techniques for self-defense. If you're in an uncomfortable situation, whether it's running or walking to your car or just walking down the street. But we do talk a lot about running and uh, tips and techniques on how to be safer uh, when you run. And unfortunately, again, it just frustrates me that I can go out and run and I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't worry about it. And women have to look over their shoulder or at least it's in the back of their mind. So I, I just, I, I just hope that this episode will, will do something, trigger something, maybe just something that you're about to hear in this, in this interview that I did with Tasha, a tip, a technique that you can take away could save a life. And I hope it does because it would be all worth it. So I'm going to go ahead and play the episode and uh, then I'll just have a couple final comments. So please listen to it till the end. It really, really be worth your while. All right, here we go. All right, I'm talking to Tasha Ina Church. We, went, we had an episode that we did on uh, self-defense, running self-defense back in March of 2019. And it was episode number nine, back in the early days of Feel Good Running. And it went over extremely well. And if you're listening now, I would suggest to go back and listen to episode nine. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, it has a lot of good information for uh, self-defense safety, especially for women, whether you're running or whether you're 
in a uncomfortable position just in general. I know uh, recently she had a, a personal incident that happened to her, and I want her to share that and what's transpired with that. Um, yeah, it was an unpleasant situation. So, hi, Tasha. How you doing? Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing really well. You know, it was nice to have you touch base with me after the incident that happened. Um, I just you know, was feeling a lot of the love from um, friends and, and colleagues out there. So, um, you know, just with everything that was going on with the elections and nothing coming up as far as, you know, who's won, who hasn't. Um, that whole week, I felt like I was on pins and needles. Just, I think that all of us were all holding our breath. And so, you know, for me, when I am dealing with more stress, it's okay, let's do more self care. Let's do more running. Let's do, you know, more eating healthy or more meditation, different stuff like that. And something that I've also been doing is I've been going live every day since the pandemic started. And so I'm um, showing people the sunset. That's kind of a, a fun thing. And I've done that for my dad, where we FaceTimed every day, um, just, you know, for our self care and everything. And I just remember I had ran down to um, the beach, and I was sitting there and I had just gone live. But then after that was done, you know, I felt like, oh, I need to just sit and I stared at the ocean. And then by the, you know, the next moment I looked around and it's getting dark and I'm thinking, oh God. <laughs> so people know, by the way, you're based in Maui. I am. And when yeah. we had our first, uh, when we did our episode, uh, we did that live, you know, mm -hmm. we were, I was in Maui at the time. So we, yeah. we recorded and we were face to face before the pandemic and, yeah. and did that. Um, <laughs> but you're still in Maui. I'm in Denver, but go ahead. Tell us, tell us what happened. Yeah. So gosh, you know, most of the time I try and run uh, during the daytime. This happened to be more at dusk uh, where the, you know, the light is leaving. And so I thought, gosh, I got to get home soon. Started running back to the house. And I noticed as I was going up the hill, this truck was going down the hill. And I don't know why, but at the time, for some reason, I looked up, um, looked into the truck and I saw this older, heavier set white male in the truck, in this very dark truck. And so um, he looked at me strange. And so I just thought, okay. Um, and I kept on running. And then I had a, um, a feeling. And one thing that I talk to people about when it comes to self-defense is if you have a feeling, if you, there's some sort of emotion going on, you really listen to it. And so I looked back and I saw that the truck made a U-turn. At the park. And so I thought, okay, it's a little unnerving, but we're going to keep on going. And so we were going, I was going up the hill, and then I noticed that it was going slower <laughs> than the speed limit. And I thought, okay, there's lots of reasons why a truck can go slower than the speed limit. It could be that they are not paying attention to the road and they are paying attention to their phones, which they should not. It's very scary for runners. Um, so yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, could be distracted, could be listening to music, could be thinking a thought and just, you know, suddenly not, not paying attention. But it did, um, unnerve me enough to kind of take a pause and think, okay, what do I want to do with my route? Because my route is, you know, it would have been a straight shot to, um, get to the road to my house. And I thought, you know, that's dimly lit. There's not a lot of houses. There's not a lot of cars on the road. It's going to be tough if I do get into a situation and I need help. And so I thought, you know, uh, there's the other route, which would bring me through the neighborhood. I would be around people, possibly. There would definitely be more lighting. And so, um, and there would be more cars. And, and most likely if I shouted, then someone would come out of their home. And so I waited as I was uh, running. I last minute, I ended up veering off and going up this hill thinking, okay, you know, the truck's probably going to just speed on by. But I heard the screech marks. I heard that. And I just mm. thought, oh, God, ah, 
Um, and so I could hear that person going in reverse. And so I, I jetted to my neighborhood and I was, um, jogging and well, uh, I mean, running, jogging, I was stressed. And then I, um, I turned back and the truck went into a driveway and I thought, okay, there we go. The world is right again. He was not thinking and he missed his turn and then he needed to go into the driveway. So there, there he is, he's at home. And so then I, I kind of got into more of a steady rhythm and doing good. And then I heard the truck again. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. And um, <clears throat> yeah. And so, you know, the adrenaline spiking again and I'm thinking, okay, what, what, what is my plan? Uh, what's going on? And then I turned around and the truck went into another driveway. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not stupid. You can't act like you you live here when you've gone into two different driveways. Um, you know, and so I was like, okay, this is, I, I need a plan. I need a plan. And so I was thinking, okay, I, I actually know these neighbors that have, you know, that I was nearby. If I could get to them, then I would be good. Also, they they live in a fenced area, and it's a um, it's a gay couple, and um, one of them is a very big man. So that could be just intimidating if I ran there. That person saw it, and then they drove away. But um, was the person was, still in his vehicle at that time? He was still in his vehicle. The other uh, the other thought is whenever you do have someone who is um, either thinking about attacking you or looking for a target, they have a very linear thought. This is what I want to do to this person. Either I want to harass this person. I want to take their money. I want to, uh, you know, I want to rob them. I want to violate them in some way. Um, and the whole point, or or I just want to heckle them. Um, so there's all of those different things. And your what's going to help you is to disrupt their plan. And so my thought is, okay, I have a coupon that I keep with me when I run. What is a coupon? So a Kubaton is a six-inch staff. You can get them for your keychains. They can be smaller if you need to, but it's something that you can hold on to if you need to and jab it. You know, you can jab it at somebody's throat. You could jab them in the eye. Um, you can use it for joint manipulation. Um, I did a whole workshop <clears throat> last um, last year, I believe, on pressure points. So there's, you know, pressure points every one-fourth of an inch on your jawline. But this is, you know, having a coupon is um, is stronger than having, you know, doing it with your thumb or doing it with a finger. I think that it is very important that people don't 100% rely on other things. So um, they need to know that they can be their own weapon. And but they also need to know that they have lots of choices. And so if you have that at your disposal, for me, it just makes me feel safer. But I know that the one that I had also looked like a knife in the dark because it um, it's pointed at the end. And um, because of the work that I do, I have a plethora of weapons that I have yeah. practiced. With. And uh, yeah, when I was doing Japanese martial arts, I um, studied uh, Kabuto. And so I actually really loved uh, training with knives. And so one of the things that I did was, um, you know, with with the knife, when I had it was, you know, I knew how to spin the knife. And with uh, a switchblade, you can spin it and then flip it and it automatically comes out. And I was like, okay, so how could I mirror that? So this is all as I'm jogging. <laughs> and I, um, I'm like, okay, that person's in the driveway, they need time to come out, they need time to follow again. So then Right when I um, ended up feeling like, okay, the headlights are there, I can hear the truck again, I um, went into my bag, I got the coupon, I whipped it around like it was a knife, and then I flipped it out as though it was a switchblade, and then I turned around, I had my hand up like this, and just looked at the, the truck. <laughs> How close were you to the truck at this time? I mean, when, as far as con uh, viewing contact? I I was a, I was a ways away. I would say, oh gosh, okay, what's ten feet? Okay, so that was fairly close. Ten to fifteen something. Um, so for me, it just I, you know, I'm, I'm just like okay, 
what's going to happen? <laughs> what do we want to do right here? Because you see me holding on to what could be a knife. And I am also just staring at you like, game's up. What's, what's the deal? And he went in reverse and drove off. <laughs> wow. But, oh, God, Jim. Ah! <laughs> So I mean, when you were when you were in that position and you were having the stare down, you you have so much background on self defense. What, what was it like right at that moment? Did did everything kick in, or did you freeze, or what? What what was it like? So this was this was definitely not a freeze moment, um, which was great. It you know for me, I was just trying to figure out what this person's deal was if they got out of the car, I'm, uh, you know, one of the things that I would recommend if, if anyone's getting out of the car, you scream as loud as you can so that people can hear you. Um, I did not do that yet because I didn't know what, what was going on. <laughs> like what's happening right now. Um, but you know, then anytime that somebody goes through, something, you know, um, and anytime, um, anytime someone is dealing with something um, extremely huge, one of the biggest pieces is, you know, just to listen and not have like, oh, you could have done this. This would have been great. Oh, why were you running at night? You know, so there's lots of things that I thought of afterwards that I thought, oh, that would have been good. I should have gotten their license plate number. Oh, this could have been good. I could have gotten my phone out and I could have taken a picture of the license plate or I could have taken a picture of the car. And, you know, for me, I just realized, you know, I got to just take a step back, realize that I'm alive, be very grateful. And that's it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, th these situations are not stopping and they're still continuing on for runners, especially female runners out there. And, uh, you know, the afterthought of, well, I could have done this, I should have done this, and why didn't I do this, and all that is there. But, you know, in the moment, you never know how you're going to react, even as skilled as you are in self-defense, you still probably had some, you know, bag of tricks in yeah. your self-defense yeah. bag but that you've taught to other people, but at that time, it's just different. It is different. And I think that there's something that, you know, with people, what they should know is, is that people who are teaching these classes, they are still human, they still bleed, we still have experiences. And, you know, so for me, it was just this relief after he left, but I, I waited. And I was, I was not trusting that he was going to leave. I did not want to lead this person to my home. So I did not I did not run home. Um, I had ran to this place where I was pretty close to these neighbors who I felt safe with. You know, I had people on that that thread who were like, well, why didn't you go to a neighbor's door? Like, just go to anybody's door and knock on the door. And I don't know those people from Adam. So there's part of me that was like, well, I could have done that. And I think that if you need help, getting help in any way that you can, if you can do that, that's great. But for me, in my head, this was the plan. I stuck with my gut. And that's how I got out of the situation. And I think that that's what you need to do. So there's no one right way to do things. There's lots of different ways. And I think that um, inst as instructors, it's really important to encourage our students to trust themselves enough to make the right decision in that moment. But um, but also it would be wise to anybody out there that gets into a situation like this. Maybe if you're going to go out, you know, alone and run or you're going to be in a situation where you're alone to at least have some sort of plan or training, just learn a few little techniques, something that could save your life. Yes. I highly recommend it. I, you know, I've had people who have talked to me and said, I love what you do, but I don't want to take your class because I don't want to manifest it into my life. <laughs> and, I, and I just say, no, no, you don't understand. Like I'm doing violence prevention. We're focusing on, uh, you know, we're focusing on building a safer uh, world for everyone. 
And part of that is just having this knowledge so that you can feel safer in the skin that you're in. You can feel safer when you are at running and it happens to be dusk or it happens to be dawn. Um, So these are really important things that people, they should know, especially when it comes to just basic tips of running in a very lit location. If you feel like you're being followed running towards people, you know, if you feel like that person is a threat, yelling for help, yelling for yelling fire, yelling, you know, like, uh, I know that the police don't like it when you yell fire, because then the fire department comes versus the police, but yelling uh, back off, even just making eye contact with that person and having them see you and know that, yes, I see who you are. And I am going to be able to identify you if this goes down wrong. I think when we had our, when we did the episode back in March of last year, something that sticks into my head that you said that it was a technique is to put your hand out and say, you stop right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and like you said, just a little bit earlier, throw off their plan. Yeah. So, I mean, me having my hands up and saying, stop, it does. It disrupts the plan. They weren't thinking that it was going to happen. And they don't have the dominance over you. And you showed no fear and and back at them and they're not used to it. I I would assume. I mean, these these are no guarantees in any way, shape or form, but it's got to be a help. It's good to have an edge. And if you do, you use it. So, I mean, for me, one of the biggest things is that if I'm walking, my shoulders are up, my head is up, I'm aware, I'm not looking down at my phone. If, even if I have to bring my phone out, this is an arm exercise, folks. We are getting some exercise here. We put the hands up, we look at the phone, and it's an eye, you know, it's just an eye shot straight ahead. And then I can still have things in my peripheral vision if I need to. But I'm not on my phone the whole time that I'm I'm out and about. So just being aware every 10 seconds or so, look up. <laughs> right. <laughs> you. So, so, so important. So, um, so yeah, so those, and then just having stuff, like if you feel comfortable with a coupon, I don't carry mace because I feel like mace can be used back on me. And that, um, that would be really hard to, to deal with. So there's just different things that I I look at and think about. Um, And I think that women have to think about these things. It's sad, but it's true that women think about this a lot more than than men do. So um, me having these conversations and sharing with people uh, my experience, you know, it's um, I've had people say, oh, I never would have thought of that. I always forget being a male that I can go out and I I don't even have a second thought about it if I'm out there by myself. I remember when I was in Los Angeles recently, I was getting ready to run with the Skid Row Running Club down in Skid Row and, you know, downtown LA. And I got there early and I was doing some sprints and stuff like that up and down the street before anybody else came out there. And my girlfriend, Tracy, she comes and I was just saying, you know, I was just here doing some sprints and all this other stuff. And she goes, well, you're a guy. And I, it hit me at that point going, yeah, you know what? I just take it for granted. And it sucks that, you know, women have to be aware of this. You know, they have to be aware when they're out there by themselves. And, you know, like I can run on Skid Row. It doesn't guarantee that I'm not going to get into any type of situation, but at least I feel a little bit more comfortable with myself. Yes. Where a woman would not go down there and do sprints at five o'clock in the morning in the middle of Skid Row. Logically, well, they might, but most most males too would not go down to Skid Row and do that. But women might not. They might think twice. They might think twice and in general. So once this was over with, there's certainly after effects and reflection and thinking and feelings that have gone through you. Tell me what it was like after that situation. Oh, Jim. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, for instructors and practitioners out there, we are mortal. We are human. Um, we still have feelings. I, I knew that for me, you know, a lot of stuff was coming up from my past just because I have survived assaults and attempted assaults. 
And so for me, I just said, you know, we're going to do as much self-care as we need to, because this was a really intense scenario. Granted, I did not have to deal with a physical assault, but the energy was there, felt like the intent was there. So I ended up just taking extra time for me and asking myself, what do I need right now? And it could have been food. It could have been sleeping. It could have been sitting down. And I asked myself that continuously throughout the the following days. What do I need? Um, How am I feeling right now? Checking in with myself. I journaled. You know, I'll normally scribble some stuff out and journal a little bit in the mornings. um, But this was something where it was like, okay, how am I feeling, you know, today at one (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon? And I gave myself all of these things that I needed. I uh, contacted my therapist. You know, a lot of people hesitate to contact a therapist in general because, oh God, that means something's wrong with them. But for me, it was, oh, you know, I need, I need a professional. I need some support. I need something that's going to be confidential. And I need to be able to have that, you know, that outlet because I remember what it was like. When I did not have that outlet and it was me feeling extremely comfortable with my close friends and verbally vomiting on them, the scenario of like, this happened, this happened. Oh my God, this happened. And it was just this thing that felt like it was on repeat, um, like a VHS tape that keeps on skipping back to that same moment over and over. And so um, that's what it was like when I had my, my last attempted assaults back in 20, 2011, 2012, you know, really, really long time ago. And so I said, I'm not going to do that to myself. What, what do I need to do to take care of myself right now? And so I talked to my parents. Um, I let them know what was going on. I spoke to my friends. Um, I also took the weekend to spend lots of time not speaking. I went up hiking two different hikes two different locations with friends. And, and a lot of the time I wasn't speaking at all. I just was taking in the scenery, was enjoying listening to the sounds of birds, all of that kind of stuff, getting into nature, you know, and I was very mindful of, am I drinking enough water? Am I eating food? Am I remembering to eat? Because there was definitely the first day where I didn't eat at all. I was just like, oh my God, this is too much. This is very stressful. And I still wanted to perform for my job, my business, my, you know, my clients and all of that. And um, it's really important to, to just understand that you can't always do that for yourself. You have to be able to let them know, hey, we might need to reschedule. So um, I did have one client who I just said, you know, I I think that it would be good for us to reschedule for next week. So, yeah. Well, you took care of yourself. I mean, it really sucks that you had to go through that. But just based on what you just mentioned, it really affected you. I, you know, it's a, I can imagine the after effect of something like that. Because, you know, in the moment you're, you're kind of just trying to protect yourself. But afterwards you're like, well, what if? What would well, if he would have got out of the truck? What if he didn't yeah, leave? Well, and dodged a bullet. Yay. <laughs> you dodged, dodged a bullet. But you know what? The, what sucks about the whole thing, too, is that that person's still out there and may try to do that with somebody else. It's true. Yes. And Maui, everybody on, in Maui owns a truck, so it's hard to get a description of a truck like that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I did speak with one of my friends whose husband was in law enforcement. Like, what do I, you know, do I file a report? What does that look like for me? And there's, you know, there's part of me that thought there's that, but then also that's also why I wanted to share on social media and just say, this is what happened. Be on the alert, you know, make sure that you're watching out and paying attention on the road that kind of thing. Well, your story certainly helps others. And a couple things. First, if you can give a couple suggestions above and beyond what you already did to people that are listening. And also what's going on with you? I hear you, you know, you, you got some good news recently. Um, so a grant that you got and 
I'd like to hear about that. And also for people that might want to get in touch with you to learn some more stuff about self-defense, some of the listeners out there. So if you can talk a little bit on that, that'd be great. Of course. So, um, you know, studies have shown that 46% of runners deal with harassment on a weekly basis. So it's something that is very common. Um, it's something that also, it, hopefully with due diligence, uh, we can do our part to lessen this by setting very clear boundaries with people. If you are running and you feel like there is um, someone who is either running after you or something like that, remember, disrupt the plan. So what does that mean? You want to vary up your routes. So if you're going the same route every single day at the same exact time, um, you know, well, that might be good and efficient for you. That also means that other people can know your route. Mm -hmm. So varying that up is really important. Um, also, you know, calling, calling a spade a spade. So if you see something, say something. If you are um, a pedestrian and you see a runner being harassed by someone who's nearby you, um, you know, it, it is important to, to us to have someone else speak up for us as well. Be that voice. Uh, that doesn't mean that you cuss someone out. So the other piece to it, too, when it comes to de-escalation tactics, swearing, cursing, pointing and yelling and screaming at that person might disrupt their plan. It also might escalate the situation. So uh, certain things to do. Remember your breath when you are dealing with high adrenaline, high stress. Remember your breath. So remember to breathe and remember to check in with yourself. How am I feeling? What do I need? And then, you know, if you do deal with the situation, do everything that you need to. If you need to go seek counseling or go to a support group or call that that friend and let them know what just happened, do that. If you need support from your family, it is okay to let them know what is going on with you. I remember um, in my 20s, it was just this, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want them to worry. <laughs> And um, looking back, I was worried. Gosh, there were so many things that were happening and I wasn't willing to share them because I didn't want to show weakness. I didn't want to relate to the life of a victim. I wanted to be seen as strong because I am. And so there's this stigma that we as a society have got to get over because there are um, people out there, it doesn't matter what gender you are. Um, if you experience something, that doesn't mean you're weak. That means that you experienced it. And um, that is not on you. You know, you wearing certain things a certain way or um, dressing a certain way, you know, it might give you more attention, but it's not your fault if because you wore something, someone decided, oh, I'm going to go over there and mess with that person. I'm going to show this person something or do something to them. That's not on you. So when it comes to victims, and also this is, this is a shout out to the people out there who are trying to help their friends who have experienced something. Um, once you get into uh, the shoulda, coulda, woulda's or what were you wearing at that time? You know, that can be seen as victim blaming. And that's very hurtful. It's really hard on the victim to be able to open up to you again. Or if they do open up to you, you know, it, it's going to be a, a difficulty because they'll have to feel like, you know, I, I know that from personal experience, I know that um, I'm a lot more careful when. I've dealt with people who are like, oh, well, what were you wearing at the time of this incident? Like, what happened? Were you wearing something slinky? Were you wearing something too tight? Um, you know, and I, I was wearing regular running clothes. But the fact of the matter is, is that if, if I had, hadn't been, it still wouldn't have been my fault. <laughs> right, exactly. 
So, so just understanding that they're, you're trying to help someone, just ask them what they need, um, try and be supportive. It, you know, that, that is by far one of the biggest things that you can do. Don't gaslight them. Uh, right. <laughs> don't, don't question whether they, uh, the validity of it, you know, if you, if you need to, if, um, you, if it's somebody who is a perpetual liar or something like that, then maybe um, ask them to get support from a professional and the professional can evaluate and they can make the decision. So you don't have to be the decision maker as to whether or not this person's lying. Um, what they most likely need at the, the time after an incident that has happened is your support, um, you to be there, you to be their, their hiking buddy. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so, so those are just things. And also when, um, when you do go through it, understand that this does not mean that you are, um, that there's anything wrong with you, that, um, you are broken, that, that, um, that now that this has happened, people won't take you seriously. They will, uh, trust yourself trust your inner voice because that is not going to fail you. Uh, I have used it to save myself and my life so many times over and I am so grateful to that inner voice. So, so those are just some, some tips I would share with you. Um, another thing too, for runners, if you're running, I love running with music. I actually have the music in my fanny pack. <laughs> And I can hear it perfectly fine from there. Um, and everybody else can hear it too. So I try and make it really good jams. But uh, there's that. If you are running and you have ear, uh, AirPods in, maybe take one out or um, have the volume low enough so that you can hear everything else around you. And so if you can't do that, then I wouldn't have it on. Um, yeah, you know, a couple points that you make here. Uh, first of all, as far as the headphones, I agree with you because I see too many people with their uh, headphones in, they buds into their ears, and you say hi and you get no response because they're they're just completely consumed in the music and can't hear anything that's going on around them. They are unaware of their surroundings. I recommend uh, headphones called aftershocks. Okay. And they're bone conduction and they fit around your ears and, and they're just fine. You know, they're not going to be the best quality if you're listening to music like beats are, but you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to, you know, music and all that. And they're just sufficient for when you're out running. Um, nice. So those are, that. that's a good point. The other point that you keep bringing up that I think is really important is um, go with your feeling. If you feel like something's strange, respect that feeling and and go into defense mode, I guess. Yeah. I mean, go, go into um, – I one of the things that has helped me and a lot of my students is ask them to do the what-if game. And, you know, what-if can be very scary for a lot of people. But, okay, if I'm at a restaurant, if something happened – uh, where are the exits? How am I seated? Do I want to have my back to a wall or do I want my back to an unknown source? So a lot of times I, when I'm at a restaurant, I'm strategically like, I would like to either be closer to the door or I would like to be closer to the kitchen because most of the time there is an exit in the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> so those are just different things that um, I think about when it comes to what if, if I'm going on a date and I don't know this person. I mean, I've been with my partner for over seven years. But when I was single, one of the things that I would do is somebody saying, oh, we're going to go to this really great new spot. And if I don't know that person that well, I go and drive to that spot. I check out the restaurant. I'm like, okay, this, yeah, this is the, you know, the location they're saying. Um, this is what this is. And I know that that might sound paranoid, but it's also just, it's good to be able to have a plan. So even with running, if you have a plan for your route, have varying routes that you could also use, have varying times. Um, if it has to do with like shrubbery or different stuff like that, sometimes people will hide behind that. So just knowing that. And then also when you're you're running, if there is a way for you to have, um, 
you know, have your phone or have there's bracelets, safety bracelets where you can click it and it'll actually make a very loud noise. So just different stuff like that is actually really great too. Um, one other one other thing that you mentioned, and I, I'm not sure how I would recommend it. I would refer to you, but that item that you had in your possession that you know how to use. Now, I, I don't know if people out there that are listening you can have something like that, but you got to know how to use it too, right? So, you know, I mean, for for me, I think that there's always some good in actually having training and what you <laughs> what you possess. Um, why I like a Kubaton is it fits on your keychain. And it's something that, you know, for me, it's just safer. It is something that can be easy to use if you're just doing a jab to the throat or something like that. Um, The reason why I actually have classes is because I want people to actually know in depth how you can actually use it for joint manipulation, joint locks, pressure points, stuff like that. Um, So, you know, you can get those on Amazon. I have gotten them for three for eight dollars. Uh, so I can send Jim a link and then that is on there. But I know that for, um, for a lot of my students, even before they took my Kubaton class, um, they bought one, they felt a lot safer. Uh, there's a security there. So, um, so yeah, so I'll send that to you, Jim. Okay. Sounds good. I, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have, but it's to, you know, how a person feels comfortable with having something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell me, and thank you for all that. I'm, I just get completely upset every time I hear that anybody um, is in an uncomfortable position when they run. And I was really sad yeah. to hear that you had to go through that. And thank that's you. why I responded right away. But so now what, what's, what's been happening? What's, you got some new <laughs> stuff going on. And, 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 and also if people want to get in touch with you, just tell Thank them, tell you. us. Yes. Oh gosh. So, so much has happened with the, um, the changes with the pandemic. Um, I was so excited because just before the pandemic, I had gotten a grant to work in uh, one of the private schools on the island uh, with middle school girls. And so I put together this beautiful 10-week curriculum. (laughs) And then the pandemic hit and everyone shut everything down. And so uh, they, they have sent me messages saying, we still want you just when, when everything opens up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there was that piece and I thought, okay, well, you know, it is what it is and timing is everything. Um, but life has just opened up for so many different reasons. I, um, I wanted to pivot and I thought, okay, how do I pivot? How do I do online? I, I actually already had an online self-defense course from two years ago. Um, And that was crazy because I I actually, because I'm working on a new one, I didn't do any promotions during the pandemic. um, And it went from 13 students to 53 in a matter of like a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really crazy. Um, So I am working on an online self-defense course. It's, It's going to be launched on December 8th. And I actually have Tony Robbins' old bodyguard as my attacker. So it's kind of cool. (laughs) He's really, really large Mm. and in charge. Uh, And so it's it's fun because he also has like a jujitsu background. So he knows what he's doing. Um, And I just really appreciated having someone who, you know, is like, solid as a rock right? <laughs> coming at me. And it's like, all right, these moves that you've been showing people, show it and show that it works. Uh, so that was really, really great to be able to put together this online course. And um, right now it's in the process with my videographer who's editing it. Um, and I'm working with a marketing team right now for getting ready to launch it on December 8th. Um, We have a challenge that's coming up on December 1st. And this all happened because of the other good news, which I shared with Jim before. But um, 
I ended up being a recipient of the Adaptability Fund on Maui. And so for me as a solopreneur, this is like a dream come true. Um, It's something where I have been doing all of this work. So, you know, when you're the solopreneur, you are the CEO of your business. You are also the bookkeeper, the, the social media specialist, the videographer, the, you know, like all that stuff. Everything. And uh, everything. Yes, Jim knows. Yeah. So uh, you just, it it's, can be so overwhelming when, um, especially with the pandemic of, gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do all this? And um, I applied and I got it. And it's just amazing. It's an amazing feeling to me to be able to support my community and set things up so that I can launch my online course. And for every three that I sell, I'm actually going to be donating one to one of the local women or girls here on the island who needs it, um, who can't afford to get it. So it's really exciting because, um, you know, when people purchase it, they're not only just helping themselves, they are helping someone here on island. Um, and so there's, there's that that happened. I literally, so Kamala Harris was about ready to do her speech, um, on Saturday. And I thought, I'm just going to check my email before she goes on. And I checked and I had the acceptance, uh, email and I just cried. I was uh-huh. bawling, bawling. And my, my boyfriend runs out and he's like, what's happening? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? And I was like, Oh my God, Rylan, I just got the adaptability fun. And he was like, well, that's great. <laughs> Um, so, uh, that, that's been amazing and a game changer for me because I have, I have been, you know, I have done my website, all this other stuff, a lot of stuff on my own. Um, and you know, yay for me for doing that, but it is so, such a great feeling to actually have help. Um, but all these opportunities just started coming and this is one of those pieces about faith and really just putting yourself out there and manifesting your dreams. Um, so if people want to get a hold of you or find out more information about you, um, where do they go? And I'll put this in the show notes too. Absolutely. So um, my website, you would put it in at www.d dot international. So um, there's that, or you can look up my business name and that is Ellie, E-L-L-E, live, L-I-V-E, action, A-C-T-I-O-N. And, uh, you know, for me, I was thinking about a name and I wanted something that um, looked like elevation. So elevating yourself to your next level. Nice. And your new course that's coming out in December, that will be listed on which site? I am actually, so I will send you information um, on that so that you can have the link. That will also be on the um, www.international. And that one is going to be um, eight classes. So with different types of attack per class. So the one class I have dedicated to my training through ESD Global, this global organization focused on violence prevention. Um, And I'm certified in that. That's my main style that I focus on right now. And um, it's taught in over 50 different countries. So it's really amazing. So one class goes over the five principles of self-defense. And I acted out in a scenario-based learning style. And then there's assignments for the different um, classes, along with focusing on an empowerment assignment, um, boundary setting, de-escalation and emergency safety. So that's all going to be encompassed in there. And then with the classes, something that's a bit different. And I think that it's, it's actually very helpful for people who are at home and they, um, you know, they're wanting to learn online. So what I've done is I put it together so that I'm actually demoing the move. This person attacks me. 
I do the move. So I break it down, um, what just happened and I'm teaching it on camera with, um, with Kyle, who uh, was Tony Robbins' bodyguard. And then I actually teach it to someone on camera. So they get to see what it's like to have someone who's not very experienced in self-defense or martial arts coming on camera. We're all wearing regular clothes. Um, and I'm teaching her how to do the move for the first time. So any stumbles or different things that would normally come up of questions that you might have, she had them and she's asking, you know, what do you do here? Hmm. Um, and then at the last part of each class, I have an at-home section. So how do you practice at home when no one else is with you? Because it's really different to do a wrist throw with no one else there. Uh, and what is that action? What does that look like to do um, a wrist throw? So I'm, I'm actually demonstrating it right now because I've done it so many times on camera. You do this and then we go back. Uh, and so... It's the consistent movement in your brain that if you continually practice it, um, I've had students where I had a woman who called me right after she was dealing with um, this domestic dispute because she actually flew to Maui to get away from her um, her ex-husband and her husband her ex-husband flew here to try and take her child away. And it was a very scary thing. She called me right after the incident. She was shaky and telling me, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I did the move. I did the, you know, I did what you told me to do. And I was like, congratulations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, knowing this is, this is a scary moment for her, but I, I just wanted her to understand the win. She did it. She did the moves. I had another woman who um, she said, you know, my um, she lives with her sister and her sister heard a noise and her sister came into her bedroom because she was worried. And so um, her sister woke her up. And the first thing that she did was yell, no, she was like, no. <laughs> and I was so proud of her because um, she had dealt with a childhood trauma and she was very silent. Uh, so you know, normally if she had woken up before, she would have just been silent. Luckily, it was her sister who was coming in and not an intruder. But those are just little wins that I, um, you know, that hit me in a big way when I hear stories from my clients about how they actually had to use it and it worked. That's nice. Yeah. And I, I highly suggest that people check your course out, check your site out. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, if people are using it and if it just saves one life, yes. one life out there for all the effort you're doing, it is all worth it. Just one Thank life you. or protects one person from harm, from being injured or, you know, psychologically uh, damaged for the rest of their life. Anything yeah. like that, that is such yeah. a win. And I think what you're putting out there is so important, but... Anyway, thank you very much for coming on again. Um, you know, I appreciate you sharing your story with me uh, that just happened and uh, giving our listeners some tips and suggestions and just enlightening them. I, I think it's important and I always will. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, thank you to all the listeners who are listening. Um, I hope that you are well. And again, I'm just, I feel so blessed to have the opportunity to share. All right. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you, Jim. That was Tasha Ina Church. What a remarkable woman she is. I hope you got a takeaway from this interview, a tip, a technique that you can incorporate into your everyday life, running or otherwise. You know, if, if one of these techniques or tips will help save one life, then it's all worth it. So um, I hope you took it to heart. And remember to go back to episode number nine, my original interview over three years ago with Tasha. And there's a lot more helpful information. There's a lot of that in there. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And I'll put a link to Tasha's information in the show notes also. You can find all kinds of stories about Eliza Fletcher on the internet, so I'm not going to 
post any links. And to the family of Eliza, her husband, two children, and other family, please know that the running world, all of our hearts bleed for you, and we are truly, truly devastated and sorry for your loss. I hope by all the posts, by all the comments from runners um, and running groups and what they're doing out there gives you a little bit of comfort through this most heinous tragedy for you. And we are so sorry for your loss. This is just unacceptable. So all of you runners that are out there running, training, doing whatever, consider dedicating one of your runs, personal dedication of 3.4 miles to match her age, 34, or longer. But keep her and all the women runners that have lost their lives to these scumbags. Keep them in your mind as you run. All right, that's it for this episode. Please remember to be kind to everyone, even if some are not kind back to you. It's the right thing to do. And please be aware Please be aware of your surroundings. Please be safe out there. Please be safe out there. Please be safe out there. Peace.